it was a very busy week and we didn't know if he was dead or alive. We just got the call. He's had a heart attack. We're doing a procedure on him. Come to the hospital. Welcome to Woke Wogs. I'm your host and resident Wog, Jihara Volpe, here to navigate and facilitate conversations with the Wogs within my community that inspire me and hopefully you too. Now, if you're not familiar or not familiar (laughs) with the term Wog, it's a racial slur aimed at Southern European immigrants in Australia back in the day that has now been reclaimed and is celebrated as an identity affirming label. With that said, I want to draw attention to the ill use of this word still throughout the United Kingdom towards people from the East Indies, parts of Asia and North Africa. I want to pay my deepest respects and understandings to what the mention of it may bring up in you. Now for some quick self-advertisement. Do you have an event coming up and need an MC to make the moment matter? Well, that's what I do. I curate the optimal flow to any type of event and connect audiences to the messages that organizers are yearning to convey. Salt, great. Just DM me at the link attached and I can't wait to get involved. All right, you get it. Here is another episode of... Just for the listener's sake, uh, I've got Anthony on here through an Instagram request. Anthony is a dressmaker, a seamster. I'm throwing that in there. Yeah. Seems that feels cool. I've tried that word. It doesn't. It doesn't um, sound right to me. So I actually, even when I'm referring to myself, I still say seamstress. <laughs> <laughs> and you spoke a word before that sounded just as cool. Couturier. Couturier. I think it's couturier, but I like couturier. Couturier yes. is fantastic. Yeah. Somebody that makes people look steezy as can be, especially <laughs> on their wedding day. It's a story. I'm a storyteller with dresses. And Mm. I know that sounds these days, you hear that sort of concept a lot, but I feel like I'm one of the few that that really is what I resonate with. And it's all, I've always been a storyteller in different ways. And that's probably how we've connected because I think you have that common storytelling thread, but I was a primary teacher before being a seamstress and I've always loved fantasy and storytelling. That's so whatever I've ever done, whether it's in a classroom or in dressmaking or in anything, maybe this podcast, for me it's all about storytelling, real mm. or or imaginative, and that's that's the thread to it for me. I love that. I love that. It is true we're always saying something with everything that we're doing, mm. whether we're conscious of it or not. Correct. The clothes I'm wearing, the jewellery that I mm-hmm. hold. The things that mean the most to me hold a story. Mm-hmm. And then in the other sort of way, when I get a certain haircut and whatnot, it makes me feel different. Mm-hmm. And there is that sort of transmission that the person who's given that to me, again, consciously for me or not, that makes me feel different, that makes me act in a certain way or live out a story that I could only dream of on mm-hmm. my wedding day. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting for me because when I saw that you were in weddings and whatnot, I know that you're queer or gay or whichever yep. feels yep. more aligned yep. to you. Were you in the business before? For the first quite a few years of me coming out, I was actually against the concept of gay marriage myself. So when that plebiscite happened, I, yeah, I was like actually not, I would say 
you know, it was almost alongside that time that as I grew personally and spiritually and opened my heart to love, I became pro-gay marriage. But there was quite a period before that that I was anti-gay marriage because for me the marriage was about the bride and the dress and the church and all that stuff. So that story. Yeah, correct. For me coming out was about and it's been a gradual process of it can be however you want it to look, it can lead wherever you want it to lead and you don't have to um, fit into a category of beliefs or mindsets. You can pick and choose from wherever and whatever you like and do whatever works for you and fits in with your history and also where you're going. Mm. Out of the closet but then also battling the labels of when I say this, this is what people will think that I am. Correct. You were speaking to me before about rebirths and whatnot. Like, was that one of your rebirths? It was, yeah. yeah. And I've had, <laughs> they're countless, which makes me think all we're doing is dying and being reborn constantly in different ways. And with each experience like coming out or finding love or getting married, you're letting go of an old you that you had clutched to so hard mm. and sometimes you're like it's taken from you. You don't get to choose it and that's mm. they're like, fuck, anyone who's interested in tarot, I don't know if you know anything <laughs> about tarot, but I always think of the tower card. There's this card in the tarot where there's a tower on fire and it's about to collapse and people are jumping out of the window but the tower card is actually, you know, spiritually a blessing because the tower collapses to its foundations and then a new tower is built from mm. those strong foundations. So, you know, these moments, these tower moments, that's they have to happen. And, and to be honest, I've never met people that I've thought, wow, that's an incredible person that I haven't known and seen some of their tower moments showing through all the time. Mm. Um yeah. Huge. Oh, relate to so much of what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, the tower moment. I I always say, like, I get to make the choice, but if I don't choose to make it, the universe is going to make it for me. Correct. I wonder, like, what was one of the towers that you can recall having to let go of, either then or recently that you recall? Um, As in what are the, one of the parts of yourselves that had to die for you to be who you are now? Even just being here doing this today, I think this aligns with the dreamer Anthony. But the dreamer Anthony had to sort of go on a sabbatical for a couple of years. He had to die and disappear. And during that time, that's when I found love and recalibrated. Um, I should preface this. So the dreamer Anthony, and I'm going to share something. I don't really talk about this a lot because... I believe there's power in keeping your vision private, but mm. I also think for this conversation it's important because sometimes people don't know the big picture. So when you're talking about something spiritual or along those lines, they don't understand exactly what you mean. So my my big vision was me becoming a fashion designer, becoming world-renowned, changing millions of lives and always the reason I named my company Signor Mont was because it was me as an elder. Like Signor Mont is like the Monsieur Dior of the 1940s or the Charles Frederick Worth of the 1890s. Signor Mont is the old man at the end when he's just about to die 
and everything he's done to that moment, that's Senor Mont's journey. So for me, I'm not actually Senor Mont. Senor Mont is the future Anthony, like the one on the deathbed. And when I talk about the vision, I'm not talking about right now or where I'd like to grow my company or any of that stuff. My vision is the deathbed vision. So it's things like mm. moonshots, you know, a villa in Lake Como, which means nothing to me. Like anyone who knows me well, I'm not, I live in a very materialistic world, but I'm not a materialistic person. Hmm. Like I love beauty. It brings me joy, but I also don't give a fuck what I have and what I own at, at times. You know, there are times I really aspire for that. And there are times I don't give a shit, you know, it's more about the work-life balance and the other stuff. But that big vision over the years, many times with a lot of these tower moments and birth, a rebirth and death moments, I have to put it away, but then it keeps coming back. And that's the beauty that I'm sort of realising I'm at a point now where I'm 37, almost 38 now, and it's probably been asleep for a couple of years while I hatched other things. You know, I got married, we made embryos, so... Our family journey is starting. Uh, I rebuilt the business from the ground up with a much more solid foundation and a better processes. And now that I've done all that boring, uh, mundane, I'm not calling things like marriage and rebuilding a business <laughs> boring and mundane, but for that time that I put away mm. those big moonshot dreams without even realising in putting them away and forgetting about them, I've now built a foundation where I can now start thinking about them again and actually think, well, fuck, maybe we're like 10% of the way now. What could we do to like bring the dreams back to the forefront of what we're looking at? So it's been a big process. And like I said, I'd say for a couple of years, the dreamer, Anthony, like the big romantic, as in romantic about where life will lead us, has slept and just been focused on smaller but also very important mm. things. And now lately, I think, especially in recent months, the big dreamer, Anthony, is back. And that's how I find myself in positions like sitting in this incredible <laughs> building that we are, mm. having this conversation in a place that I thought I would not be. Huge. Yeah. Oh, there's so many awesome threads in there. There's responsibility. There's understanding that the dreamer is an important part of you. He is the reason why you are where you are. And also setting yourself up with titles, Senor Mont, yeah. what that means to you, knowing that people are coming to your business to Senor Mont. Mm -hmm. And so every time mm -hmm. one sees that word, you see that word. It's a reminder of who you want to be, Correct. who you're destined to be, who you're manifesting. Mm -hmm. And the other reality there as well is understanding those moments that need to happen before that has to happen and allowing yourself into those responsibilities. But when the dreamer comes knocking, because it's always got to come knocking again. This is the thing. It never goes away. It's just hiding. <laughs> it's just hiding. Absolutely. And, you know, The Alchemist is a incredible. Oh, I just reread it just before Christmas. Really? Actually, I read it for the first time before Christmas and then I reread it and I just, <sighs> yeah. Talk about storytelling, a fictitious story that delivers these Punches of awareness, punches of inspiration, a real big call to follow one's heart. And at 
every which way similar to what you were saying. There's moments where he has to choose to do the responsible thing, to see out what he's doing, but then understand he has to let that go to return to the dream. Correct. Because unless he fulfills the dream of his heart, he'll never feel sustained. Like you said before, we get everything we want in this world. Everything's at our fingertips. But if we're not following the dreamer's dream or leading with our heart, limited, it's finite. We, we can't feel that sense of satisfaction that a Senor Mont would feel knowing that on the deathbed I've done what I set out to do. Correct. Or at least fucking attempted it mm. and got some scars and have a story to tell as to why I missed that and landed where I am. It's the biggest challenge of our time. Like we have been born into such a privileged, fast-paced era. I think that literally our most important work here on earth today is figuring out like what our dream is and going towards it. But even more than that is unlearning everything we've been exposed to, conditioned with, put into a system where it's not really designed for that. You know, Mm. dreaming the system life is not designed that way. You have to be very conscious about prioritising it and remembering it and giving yourself the space. It's not even about remembering it because if you don't have space and time and a bit of Mm. peace and no other voices, you know, interfering, it can be really hard to even believe you have a dream. And I'm very conscious not everyone's, I am extremely lucky that I was very aware of what I wanted to do as in in the world and create through Senor Mont. I knew this like I'm talking four or five years old. That's how lucky I am. Wow. It, I was just, it was just innate. I don't know what it was. You know, maybe it came from my environment. I, I personally don't believe that. I just believe I was a... Uh, you know, square peg in a round hole, you know, that sort of thing. I don't even know if I've used the right <laughs> words. You know what I mean. I, we're not all that lucky, but it's, it's, I think everyone has that dream. It's just some people find it a bit harder to, to remember and uncover it. I feel in my life I've tried to get away with doing other people's dreams mm-hmm. or running towards things that are a little bit close to what I wanted to do and when I really dig a little deeper, that little vulnerable boy who just wanted to be X. Or in my case, like I just wanted to be an actor so truly. But I was always filled with this immense doubt and fear and worry of judgment, but a bigger worry of not actually fulfilling it. Because if I say this is my dream and I don't fulfill it, well, wow, there's somewhat of a grief. And later in life, I know I'm only 32, but I've been really working with this conversation internally about the grieving of the man I'm yet to become and really holding that part of me and understanding that the responsibility is taking the steps today to lead me towards there. Mm -hmm. That time is still of the essence. I'm still in this moment. And although I haven't fulfilled the dream of me in the past, I still can fulfill the dream of me in the future, but I have to be brave enough to say my dreams out loud. Correct. I have to be brave enough to say my name is Signor Mont. And take myself seriously in that because the people that I look up to, the people that I'm watching on my phone, they are just dreamers that have followed Mm -hmm. their fucking dream. Absolutely. But the thing is it's never linear either. Mm. And Mm. it's so easy to think, well, this is all fucked. How how could this, like, it's just not meant to be. And I think I've gone through that period and that thought process 
literally daily, monthly, weekly for as long as I can remember. But I think if you can really push yourself to hold on to whatever that dream is, it always course corrects, corrects at some point. And it's like, you know, the alchemist, the perfect example, all the situations he found himself in, you know, good and bad, they always lead you there if you hold the dream, you know. Um, and follow the natural laws of the world. Correct, correct. I, <laughs> and my husband gets nauseous when I say this, but <laughs> whenever something happens, whether you're having conflict with someone or something's turned to shit or, you know, you can't make your rent for the month or whatever it is, I just always sit there and say what's coming through. Like when there's something that's being uh, course corrected or is falling away or dying or, you know, becoming very gritty mm. and not aligned anymore, I always just sit with it and say what's what's going on here. The problem is if you're like me, sometimes you're too far ahead like you're already thinking what's what's coming through here and other people are 78 steps behind sometimes. So you might do things that make no sense to others and you just got to sit with that and be uncomfortable for a bit. But I do find that in the long run, when you're in that good frame of mind, it always works out. Yeah, not what is this taking away from me? What is this asking leading me of towards. me? Leading me mm. towards. Mm. You know, I was really honest with some people last night that I've been experiencing a lot of anxiety mm. and an old version of myself would be like, oh, this is taking away my ability to be here. Oh, that old story is limiting my ability to do the work that I'm actually here to do. And then I realise and always in these moments, I'm like, oh, it's just asking me to be real with it, asking me to be honest with it. Wait, this anxiety is telling me why I feel uncomfortable and it's giving me directions in what I need to do. What's it leading me towards? Anxiety and depression are always blessings. They're sent to you to show a course correction that's needed. And mm. I, that's another, you know, alternative view that I have, that these things that I, I, from my experience, I don't feel like I'm ever a depressed person or an anxious person. I just experience depression or anxiety when something's off and that's why I've found. And, and the thing is you don't always figure it out. Sometimes no. it goes away and then it'll come back like a punch in the face mm -hmm. in a different experience and you think, oh, now I get it because I'm seeing a common thread. So, For sure. And, and uh, depression, to depress, to push down to push it down mm. and it's like one's dreams to push down, Correct. one's voice to push down, one's worries to push down. When I'm holding this energy inside that are my thoughts, my dreams, my pains, my disdains, it festers in there. Mm -hmm. And when I don't take the direction of what it's asking me to do and I circulate the hamster on the, on the wheel, mm -hmm. it is going faster and faster and actually I'm not moving anywhere. Correct. And therefore I start to pull in, I lose energy, mm. I lose patience, mm. I lose me to it mm. because I feel consumed by it and I label myself I am depressed. And I love what you did there. I'm experiencing depression. This thing is passing through me in this moment. I'm not identifying as it, which is hard. <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. And, and like I said, I've, I, I'm against a lot of labels because for me, labels have always limited me. Mm. And, and it's, I don't say that in the, the narrative that's used a lot when it comes to gender and other things. I say it in terms of 
I never liked to be labelled uh, as a gay person. What what um, came with that, and what what stigmas, positive and negative, came with that? I've never liked to be labelled uh, as just a designer because people expect a designer to look like a particular way and be a particular way. I, I don't like to, you know, when I was a teacher. I viewed myself as more than a teacher. I was a creative. So, yeah, mm. I think labels is one of the big big problems because when you have a dream, anyone who's achieved a dream, although even in the public eye it might look like they've got one label and it's that's the lane that they've stayed in, all these people are very deep and multi-passionate and there's so many other layers to that that, that you don't always know about, you know. It's so interesting. I always get into this conversation about labels, how claiming or naming myself one can be liberating. I'm coming out of the closet. I'm gay. I'm bisexual. I'm an actor. I am a chef. I am a man. I am a woman. I am a they or I am a them, mm-hmm. but I'm claiming my story mm-hmm. and it can feel very liberating. And then naturally there's always the yin and the yang, the opposite. It can do the absolute opposite. It can limit me from exploring the infinite potential that is me. Correct. And you're so right. You're so right. Somehow through labelling something, I then just become that and not everything else that I could be. And they've even done the test, you know, you get a glass of water and you just label it angry. And what does that water's composition become? angry. It all yeah, fractures it's and everything. Isn't it? It's interesting. And then as you're talking, I'm thinking of the other side of the coin, which I've been exploring with my coach lately, is that the labels, just fighting against the labels sometimes, like knowing what you don't want to be labeled is just as powerful as knowing what you want to be labeled. Mm. So you need that fine thing. It's like what's um, society's um, you know, current fascination with gender and I've, I look at it from the other side of the coin and say, well, if gender norms aren't known moving forward, then what's our base and how would you know what you like or don't like? Mm. So I always, yeah, it's a bit of a mix. I feel like we're getting really uh, deep in here but it's also, it's so not a black and white line like labels and no labels. You really have to pick and choose when it works for you and be unapologetic about it too. Like that's the only way. And some people are, you know, everyone loves labels in some areas of their life and loathes them in others and Mm. runs from it. And that's, to be honest, I've only just realised that as we're talking, but Mm. it's reality, it's fact. Well, it just comes back to what is serving me in my journey. Correct. Is this label serving me? Cool. Does this label mean something completely different to me or am I being so obsessed with what it means to everyone else? I have a similar story to you. When I was 25, I realised that my sexuality was a little bit more broad than I thought. <laughs> and I dealt with so much inner homophobia mm. and fear mm. of being labelled or seen as the gay or the person that I didn't really feel aligned with. And then I was like, oh, if I'm gay, then can I still be straight and all these sort of things. And I got so caught up with how everyone else was seeing the label, not how I was seeing the experience. Because that's all it is. I'm just experiencing. And these labels are directions, just like language is a symbol to a feeling. But it's my projection on that word or that label that makes it what it is. So it actually all has to do with me. And it comes back to my dream. I'm going to say it out loud all these times, but I'm actually only scared of what other people think of the dream. Again, 
something that has nothing to do with them and has everything to do with me. And that unapologetic, that who gives a fuck, that freeing of the confines and leading into the risk of being oneself, that's the journey. That's the Signor Mont who sits on his Correct. bed and goes, I fucking live. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's also about, you know, you learn with time who that dream can be trusted around and mm-hmm. who it's better, you know, not that you wouldn't trust them, but it's just not the wavelength that some people are on and that's okay too. And energetically some people will meet you on that dream wavelength and others won't and that's okay. And like we were saying before also when it comes to systems before we mm. started the podcast when we were chatting, you sort of need to have a foot in dreamland and a foot out of dreamland and you need to find the balance of both of them. And like I was saying before, sometimes it could be a three-year <laughs> your foot out of dreamland and then, you know, a couple of months in, but it's about managing reality and dreams together at the same time. And I've never never found anyone that talks about that, like because you're either in dream mode or you're in reality and it's hard to do both. I always lean towards the dream. For me it's harder to sit in reality. Mm. So when I do I feel like I'm being bogged down, like I'm losing touch with my future self and the Signor Mont at the end of the journey. But yeah, like I said, he always comes back. <laughs> yeah, And it's so funny. I love that when we're having a conversation about the dreams that we want to create and the reality that we live in, we're also human beings that sleep into our dreams and wake up into a reality that we have to live. Like it's built into our biology to dream, to delve into our subconscious and see the potentials of our fears, but also, and most appropriately for this podcast, our wants, mm-hmm. the things that we want to create. Like we have this open mind that can think absolutely anything. So much so that these microphones, these chairs, the clothing that I'm wearing, the clothing that you create comes from the mind. Correct. I was thinking that (laughs) this building that we're in was once conceived in someone's brain Mm -hmm. and they had to convince an architect and a builder and uh, a town planner Mm. and council and get permits and an excavator like that's the power of a dream, how much it can change in, in other people. But, you know, you do have to fight for it occasionally and push shit up a hill. And sometimes that's part of you becoming your greater self is mm. that you did push shit up a hill, you know. I, I often wonder if I had started fashion straight out of high school and been given, you know, a couple of million dollars from an investor, would I have appreciated it, what I do as much as I have building it myself teaching all those years, not loving teaching, then deciding to take the the plunge, you know, using my long service money to pay for my first shop's rent and fit out, that mm. sort of shit, you know. That's the skin in the game. That's the I fought for this dream. The dream naturally changes and it's, you know, we can use language dream, idea, whatever it may be. But when we start to call it in, and you posted this today, like about manifestating Mm -hmm. it. When I start to believe the dream, my mind, the incredible supercomputer it is, starts activating and starts seeing in my everyday environment the things that will lead me closer to the dream. Like that's the natural law, isn't Mm -hmm. it? What Mm -hmm. I feed my mind, it will find. Yeah. And (laughs) you... Yeah, you sort of, your eyes will be more open to things that could lead you to that dream, but it will also put you in harder um, situations when you're trying to deal with reality at the same Mm. time. So, 
yeah, it's a fine balancing act and there's no answer and every step and misstep is all meant to be part of it as well. That's the other thing. There's no wrong step you can take. You just, if you take a wrong step, you know what the next right step will be, you know. It's like I love listening to this um, podcast, How I Built This, I think it was, and I heard one of the um, entrepreneurs, she'd built a multi, multi-million dollar company, may have even been billion dollar company, and she was discussing how her, some of her first hires were the worst decisions of her career and that that was a Harvard degree in HR for her. And I thought, isn't that how everything works? You know, mm. even the biggest mistakes, you just don't know what it's saving you from the next fuck up, you know, or or down the track. That's why, you know, with every challenge you have, it's it's just preparation for a future opportunity. That's all it is. For sure. And you've got to be willing to jump into the challenge. Again, Instagram, as much as it takes my attention, it also leads me towards thoughts of ascension. And the thing that came through yesterday was that people get bogged down in the planning phase of their dream, in the motion before the action. Mm. And I have to get in the arena. I have to make the mistake. And the mistakes hurt. Yes, they but do. the first mistake is just not doing it or not mm-hmm. risking it or staying in my head for too long because, again, it festers, I lose direction. Does this dream even have any legs? And then, oh, there's another shiny thing. I'll run towards that. And then Senior Mond comes back knocking. You're like, all right, it's correct. Should I do it? And it just stays up here. And I'm also a believer that we just have space around us. And if you don't fill it with your own choice of hard things to do or, or striving and challenges, it's going to get fucking filled. It always gets filled. So over the last couple of years, like I've really made more of an effort. I'm like, for instance, we're going on a three-month holiday to Italy very soon and that makes no sense because, you know, there's a lot of um, responsibilities I have here. But I'm a bit firm believer that if you fill the space with what you want to create in your life, you'll find a way and we are finding a way. And Mm. it's amazing. The knowledge that I'm leaving my business for three months, I can't tell you how much it has improved the way my business runs in the last six months because that's the only thing we think about is processes, procedures, how to get things working, what will happen when Anthony's not here, how can we condense this into a one one hour Zoom with Anthony when he's in Italy and that's all part of the dream. Like was I thinking about fucking business processes and procedures and protocols and growing our company and employing more staff? No, I was thinking my dream and my soul is telling me you went to Italy, it was not long enough, you fell sick when you were there and you must do it again, your soul requires you to do it. And all these other benefits are coming from it. But also I've geared my mind to also look for them and notice them because a lot of people also wouldn't do that. You know, they wouldn't, not only would they not book the trip, but they wouldn't look for all the other hidden benefits, Mm. which there always are if you look for them. You're doing what you said before. Where's this leading me? One would go, and I've been that one before, and do the thing and go, oh, it didn't work out. I fell sick. Oh, waste of time. Now I need to make up for what I lost. Rather than, no, 
there's something that still needs to be fulfilled here and how am I meeting me where I'm at and then taking you back to the start of this conversation of saying you are your business. If you're not open and refueled, therefore your business isn't open and refueled and being beneficial to the thing that you're wanting to create. So seeing yep. you as that thing mm. and investing in that and trusting that this was just leading you towards what you needed was more time yep. for you, not the business, and then understanding that you'll find a way. You'll only Correct. find a way if you lead it that way. But if you just go, no, we're not going to go down there because it's too risky, you just never got to know. Correct. And look, like I said before, there's no misstep. Like if things aren't working out for you too, there's a reason and, and you might not know it now, you might not know it for another 10 years. You know, I can only do this now because I spent the first eight, nine years of business immersed and consumed. I didn't go to family functions. I didn't get out and about. I didn't have time to myself. I would just work 18 hours a day to the bone until I was ill. Then I'd take a week off and then I'd go straight back to work and work myself to the bone again. Like it all, all the steps and missteps lead you to where you have to be. But the main thing is you just want to look for what's coming through at all times. And with that two-week trip and how I fell sick, which it was fine, I could still do what I needed to do, but it just took the joy out of it that I wanted to get from it. But at the same time, I always had the vision of the Signor Mont at the end of life. And I'm thinking if this Signor Mont has a villa on Lake Como, and like I said, that's not, I'm not the sort of person that's super materialistic. So that's why I don't understand, I don't even understand that dream. It just came to me and that's, it's still there. And I, and I, I won't close that book until I'm dead. Mm. So I don't know where mm. it's going to lead, but I know this trip will bring me closer to that and I don't know how, um, but as I said, all these ways so far before I've even set foot into the airport have already presented themselves, like my business has already improved. So, you know, it's about even through the challenges, looking at the dream and thinking, is there some fucked crazy way that I can somehow just draw maybe a dotted line from here to the dream or is it getting me closer? Like is it getting rid of someone or something or some habit that would pull me away mm. from that dream? Okay, now we're there. I'll just parrot your process and you correct me if I'm wrong. And in moments of wins, losses, uh, pleasure, pain, whatever it may be, asking the question, is this leading me towards there? Is this asking me to take a step in this direction? Is this habit that I have needing to be sacrificed for the dream. And, yeah, I love what you spoke to as well of like, you know, 18 hours of hard work, realising that, wait a minute, what are these things that are happening in my everyday that are not leading me towards Senor Mont? What are they limiting me from? Correct. Mm -hmm. Is that your process? Yeah, pretty much. And, and like I said, if you don't listen to the first time, it comes back like a punch in the face, mm -hmm. you know. A couple of years ago... Um, would have been maybe four or five years into having the business, my dad had a heart attack and it was a very busy week and we didn't know if he was dead or alive. We just got the call, he's had a heart attack, we're doing a procedure on him, come to the hospital. So all the way there I was crying and thinking, what the fuck have I done? Like I'm worrying about this dress that has to be finished and I can only go and just check if he's dead or alive and then I'll probably have to go back to work. But you know what? I got sucked back in and I went back to the 20-hour days and then about a year later my nonna had a stroke and I was like, okay, universe, 
I fucking hear you. Mm. But also the universe had sorted out some other things. My shop lease was coming to an end. I had a big gap in between the last bride and the next one, like Mm. six or nine months, something along those lines. And at that point I thought, I hear you, universe. I'm stopping. I'm recalibrating. The shop was gone within a month. And then obviously I started a new shop down the track. But for a period there, Senior Mont was just in my brain and I was working from home. And we still did everything we had to do. I still did everything I had to do. And those gowns were finished amazingly. But I was forced to listen to that, you know. And who knows if I hadn't listened when my nonna had a stroke, what would have happened next time? You know, it's Hmm. you're always pushed there whether you do it by choice or not, you know. And I think the more you stop listening, the less you're able to hear it. So you have to make a conscious choice to just question. And it doesn't matter how small that thing is, is it? I got a call not to lift this cup of coffee, just put it down and sit for a minute. Yes. It doesn't have to be a big fucking moonshot like me going to Italy for three months. It can just be a small inkling or a small heart's desire. Like it doesn't have to be something huge, but <laughs> you have to start somewhere, you know, and that's why I realise I've always been very obsessive and extremist with these things. I don't know what it is about me, but you can always start somewhere. And not everyone's dream is, no, not everyone's going to understand your dream. You, your dream might be becoming a mother of seven. Like it's not about being a designer or having a house on Lake Coma or all that bullshit. Like that's bullshit. That doesn't mean anything to other people. Mm. It's what your thing that you've been put on this earth to become. You know, when you were talking about, sorry, I'm really going on a tangent here, but when you were talking before about <laughs> things that redirect you, you know, one of the big things, my nonna passed away, it's been three years now. And although that was one of the hardest things I've ever experienced because I spent a lot of time with my nonna when I was little, you know, she formed me and she was a very tough, brute force sort of woman. And when she died, like how do you make sense of that? She's dead. She's gone. That energy will never be replaced. Mm. Everything's fucked. How does life go on? But now that it's been a few years, I've realised I embody her. Like <sighs> she was the matriarch. It's funny you used the word matriarch before when mm. I came into this space, but like she was the matriarch and now I feel like I'm becoming the matriarch and I use the feminine word on purpose because I think there's a lot of strength in femininity mm. as well, you know, and I feel like when I'm really having to be strong and really fucking fight something with brute force, I'm channeling my nonna at the Mm. moment. So it's weird. It's just weird how how could you make sense of that, that her dying could be part of my journey and me achieving these goals. But when I really, really have to push and be absolute, like an absolute bull about something, that's nonna coming through me. And anyone who knew her knew, knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. So even my husband, <laughs> he'll know when, I, when nonna is channeling through me and that matriarch energy, there's no, you can't speak to me. There's no, there, it is inflexible. It is like a concrete wall. Amazing. I I love, I'm loving this conversation because there's so many awesome threads that we're weaving together. And just in that moment, you using the label of nonna to call in an energy. Oh, I'm in nonna energy right now. 
I'm sure people do this at home. I mean, get shit done energy yeah. or an alias for a name. Like when I call myself the Fox, which is my last name, yeah. people know which energy is coming yeah. out in yeah. that. And it's so interesting that within that label, I am able to become that necessary thing. Yeah. yeah. It's such an incredible tool and it's using it. It's so it. funny because we were talking off air about putting masks on and ta- taking masks off and sometimes putting a mask on is so helpful. So for me, I've got my nonna mask, I've got my senior Mont mask, I've got, uh, you know, uh, the Anthony child the, who's wounded mask, you know, and you just, it's about figuring out which masks are the ones that are going to get you to that North mm. Star and, and trying to lean into them when you can. I also want to just draw it back. A little bit because I just want to make sure the listener hears what you said in regards to the dream because you said it doesn't need to be a moonshot, that we can listen to these calls every day of a deep listening to what we want, actually being responsive to that rather than reactive to one's environment. And it was a massive thing that my therapist passed on to me because I kept telling her about these tower moments in my life and that's when I didn't trust myself Mm -hmm. and that's when the universe was telling me something. And she said, Jarrah, every single day the world is asking of you to trust yourself. Yep. And you can do that right now. Yep. You coming here as you trusting yourself. And, yeah, it is a practice of those small little steps towards those big strides to run me towards, okay, what are now my movements towards the moonshot dream? But I can only get there once I start deeply listening to the little things that that deepest, that capital S self is asking me to do to meet my needs and responsibilities for me. Correct. And you have to... You have to be selfish. You have to fill your own cup up and it's so cliche because people talk about it all the time, but but you really can't, I'm really learning and that's been a big thing that's come up, you know, quite recently for me in my journey. Like I only feel resentment or anger Hmm. or hatred or, you know, I went through a lot of people that listen to this podcast who might have been longtime followers of mine. You know, I went through a phase during COVID where I was getting heaps of followers on Instagram because I was doing all these comedy videos and some of them were really aligned even now with who I am, but some of them were about making fun of others and, you know, mocking influences and that sort of thing. And although there are still seeds of truth in some of my opinions about those things, I only felt so strongly and felt the need to express that because I wasn't I don't want to say wasn't happy. I don't feel like that gives people the right. Fulfilled? I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't allowing myself to dream of what I wanted. I wasn't allowing myself to believe that I was lovable or um, I wasn't putting myself on the line. I wasn't uh, chasing my dream as hard as I should have been back then. So it was easier to just ridicule others Mm. rather than to sit with that. And I didn't know that, like, when you know better, you do better. And that's the stage I was at back then. But you put your own dreams and ambitions and those soul needs aside, you actually can't even show up for others Mm. because any success they have as much as you love them and feel it with them, there's always just a tint, even if it's 1% of, but I didn't do that mm. for myself, so how can I truly be part of this experience? Whereas when you're doing what 
you want to do and you're chasing that dream, when you see other people chasing your dream, it's like a fucking high five on the freeway. (laughs) You know, you just sort of see each other, high five, and everyone is running their race. But, you know, you can't enjoy that if you're not doing it yourself in other people. And that's why you go through phases, you know. I'll have made entrepreneur friends and then there'll be a little while that I'll detach and not make so much contact because I'm having an off phase Mm. in my business. Like I'm pulling back a little bit. So I know that if I talk to them, they're going to want to talk about business and I'm not doing a lot or blah, blah, blah. So it's, yeah, I think the concept of being selfish, it's so frowned upon and funny, it's a WOG podcast. <laughs> Europeans are the best at at, at labelling people selfish yeah. and, uh, you know, being self-sacrificing. But do you know what? Uh, honestly, the more time that passes, the more I find the more selfish you are and you follow your path and do what you know in your soul you have to do, the more you'll actually connect with others, be happy for them, help them with their dreams. Like you have to fill up your dream cup to help other people with their dream cup. It doesn't, there's no exception to that Mm. rule ever. And you choosing yourself is actually inviting somebody else to do the same. Correct. Correct. And the thing is, sometimes the passage of time has to pass a lot before that is made clear. It's hard to see it all the time, but it is, it's a universal law. I Mm. truly believe it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's, it's so beautifully said and, yeah, how can I give somebody something that I don't have or have given myself? Correct. How can I give you love if I haven't given me love? How can I give you time if I haven't given me time? And that's where those directions of those emotions that I don't want to feel resentment, jealousy, Correct. shame. And we all feel them. Like this is the thing, like no one has an untainted soul and doesn't feel these human emotions. Like we all feel them and we all feel them every day. But it's just a matter of understanding that they're something to help you. They're not here to get fixated on or mm. to ruminate over. Like they're here to remind you, well, fuck, why Why am I resenting this? Like what am I not giving myself? Mm. And that's that's one thing that I'd say probably over the last year or so I've really honed with my coach or therapist, whatever, he doesn't really believe in labels in that respect. But that's one thing I've learned. Whenever you're having a really strong reaction or emotion or feeling, what's coming through here? And, yeah, don't worry, I'm still a an asshole sometimes and very difficult to be around and experience all those human things. But more and more and more I'm able to ask myself, like, what's coming through? Why are you so fucking triggered by this? Mm. Why are you jealous of them? Why does this person grate you so much? Why do you think about them? Mm. Why do you why do you look at their profile if you don't like them? You know, it's mm. that sort of stuff that I'm really realising there's a lot of magic hidden in there, you know, mm. a lot of magic hidden in there. Yeah, it's the good shit. It is. It yeah. is. And willing, again, it just comes back willing to ask myself the question to get some answers to lead me towards a direction of understanding, mm. whether it's to my dream that I want to create or whether it's to the pain that's actually pulling me away of the game I want to be playing. And it's such a big one. You know, we spoke about dreams at the start of this and it's like, you know, scared to show people your dreams and whatnot. But the people that say no are just those that didn't follow their own. Correct. <laughs> and it's really important to be aware of when am I being a no person rather than a yes and. I'm like, oh, tell me more about that, getting more curious. Those limits and those confines of the mind, yeah, they're, they're not beneficial to the actual thing that the mind's for, as we said before. 
to explore. Exactly. When you have the courage to do whatever you want to do, whether your dream is to become a world-renowned designer like me or um, whether you, like I said, want to be a mother of seven children, there are always going to be people that won't understand it. There are people that are going to not get it or be actively against it for you. But you have to understand that they, they're they just a marker in the way. They're either here to show you, yeah, I really want it and I'm going to fight against this person even further or, you know, hopefully not, but some people will just give up at that point and that's, like I said, it never goes away. Those people, the, the punch will come later, mm. you know, and everyone's getting punched in the face in some way. <laughs> like you might be aligned in business but as a parent you're getting punched in the face from your kids, not physically I hope, <laughs> but, you know, everyone's like... We're all human. No one's perfect. Like I'm finding, you know, it's I'm finding I'm able to live a fairly aligned life and things are moving now and it's quite nice and I've got a lot of the things I dreamt of. Um, but everyone's like experiencing something, like everyone's going through something. Mm. For me it's weird. I'm in a really good place emotionally and in terms of my dreams and destiny and physically I'm the most overweight I've been in like 15 years. So it's weird. Like, and this is what I say, there's no perfection. Like everyone is fucked in some way. It's just a matter of figuring out that you can't do everything at once, hold the dream and like everything that's that seems fucked is coming up for some reason. So I don't know what's coming up with my health now, like what's going to come through and what this is leading me to, but I'm asking myself a lot of questions and that's when you know, okay, well, something's coming through. Mm. If you're asking questions, you're on the right track, you know. You're in the conversation. Yeah. So huge. Oh. Oh, this feels like such a download. <laughs> we have just clicked in and taken off. Extraordinary. Uh, we have spoken to the seamster and the beautiful <laughs> stories that we get that you get to weave within those dresses and also what we all get to put on in certain ways and how they make us feel, the power and the disempowerment of labels, mm -hmm. how they can disable us or able us to be who we want to be. And most importantly, Senor Mont, the importance of the moonshot dream to be the coordinates for what this moment is asking of me to do a.k.a. to allow me to look at things and ask, is it directing me towards my dream? And if I can answer that with a yes, then cool, let me take those directions and move with it. And then even more depthly is when it comes to my dream, know that it's mine, it's nobody else's. Don't Correct. let a label disable that. Let it be something that I explore, that I adore, that I'm up to the task of creating it. That is my one job here with the privilege of being alive. And then to understand all the emotions that are coming up within me are giving me directions to why I feel a certain way, why I'm pulling back, that I may need to sacrifice the thing I'm meant to do for the thing that I have to do for me. Mm -hmm. And that every single day, every single day, spirit, God, my heart, whichever fucking label mm -hmm. works well for the listener, is giving me opportunities to make that choice. Mm -hmm. What is serving me in this moment? What is serving my higher self? What is serving my future self, my senior mont that I want to become? Correct. This has been a phenomenal exploration. I love it because we really didn't have much of a plan, but mm. I'm glad where it ended up. Me too. Yeah. But mm. I just love where this conversation has gone and couldn't have predicted it. I'm glad it was less uh, salesy and more really me and uh, thank you for creating a safe space for this to all come up. Like I said, it's a frequency I had to match when I came here because I was very like, 
oh, there's this stuff happening at the shop and lots of things to get done. It's been a very fast-paced week. But, yeah, thank you for making this a space where I could just slow down, breathe and get deeper. Mm, mm, Yeah, Anthony, thank you so much for accepting the invitation, trusting that this was going to help you towards your moonshot, but also invest in the moonshot that I'm all about in this podcast, getting out there for people's stories, uh, for individuals of the WOG community to inspire others to lead their own. Mm -hmm. It has been an absolute pleasure. And for me. And, yeah, I'm excited to continue to see you weave your magic, the seamster that you are, and see you continue to walk towards the Senor Mont that I believe you actually already are. Thank you. That, that means a lot. Well, 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 would you look at that? You made it to the end of this Wogcast. That must mean you enjoyed yourself. And if you want to support myself in this new venture, please like, subscribe and share it on your social channels. Thank you for all the help and support. Of course, I'll see you here next time on Wogcast.